What's up? Welcome back to the Crude Oil Podcast. It's episode number 48, the Ryan Hamilton episode. Not a lot of guys to choose from there, Sean. I was going to say, like, is there no is there no one else? There's there's three. There's three. I guess we could have said Carter Savoy because, I mean, he's actively on the team. But yeah, but he also has not played an actual game with it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We are in the midst of whatever this fucking summer you want to call it. The heat mixed with the... It, it's suffocation, dude. That's what this is. Yeah, just a little bit of heat, a little bit of smoke, a little bit of everything. Yeah, yeah, it's been good. It's been good. Uh, we figured we'd let kind of the the free agency signings come through and then let things settle down a little bit before we record the next episode. Uh, still some news stories to figure out with the Edmonton Oilers with uh, some of the RFAs, but we'll get into that. Uh, I think a good spot for this, Sean, probably just to jump straight into things uh with respect to the uh, free agency kind of frenzy that went on. Yeah, for sure. Uh, if we start with Edmonton, because I don't think we're probably going to go too much into other teams outside of some of the bigger signings that might impact the team, but Edmonton didn't do too much to be perfectly yeah. honest, which to be fair, we don't have the money to be making big splashes. And this free agency doesn't have a lot of players worth making big splashes for. Yeah, I can... I can definitely see that argument. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, when you wake up and you've got this big expectation for Christmas and then like you get all your gifts and for some reason you're just like at the end of it, like, oh, why am I depressed now? You know what I mean? That's just socks in every package, you know? Yeah. It's like yeah. Nothing special, but like it's still important because if I don't get socks for Christmas, I'm never going to buy socks kind of thing. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I was just kind of... I think I was hoping for more of this, the the trades to kick in, see what could really kind of shake out in terms of what was cooking. I thought there was more on the plate for uh, Ken Holland, but uh, rather than you know burying the lead here, uh, Connor Brown was one of the first off the board, um, and he's been rumored for for weeks and weeks to come to Edmonton. Uh, he comes to Edmonton on a very cool structured deal. Like that's where I think uh, Ken Holland make his uh, his little leeway, I guess, with the team with the, all of the uh, the bonuses and the way that it's structured. So he's signing a one year contract with AAV of four million dollars, uh, three and a quarter of that all based in bonuses. So uh, how would you rate Holland? I guess on on that kind of uh, transaction. So on well, it depends on what the bonus structure actually is. I don't think I could ever find anything that's like oh he scores 20 goals it gives like a million dollars of bonuses etc etc but assuming the bonuses aren't way too easy to reach i really like it for two reasons one it's a one-year contract so it's very nonsensical in terms of like risk there's no issue there um if it doesn't work out if he struggles playing with edmonton doesn't fit with dry saddle doesn't fit with mcdavid we can move on from each other and it's nobody gets hurt um, the the thing is, is I have seen some like I don't know if there's that any been ever been anything that's fully released, but like I've heard some structure things about like playing ten games. Well, like I'm sure there's probably say like 500k is based off playing ten games, so it's like he actually gets into games, and yeah, like, unless he gets hurt at the very beginning of the year. Um, but I'm sure there's things like that, but. Like the other bonus to this contract is obviously that it won't impact the cap really until potentially next year with these bonuses, which yeah. is very important. And 
if I'm being honest, this is the way that everybody's contracts should be structured outside of like top players. So for example, McDavid could make his 12 and a half million. That's fine. Like, I think there's no doubt in my mind that he will always be able to produce at the level that he can produce at. But mm-hmm. if you look at like Connor Brown, if you look at like, let's look at contracts, Yamamoto's contract, Pugliarvi's contract, Zach Cassian's contract. If those were like 1 million base with bonuses set up to what their actual AAVs were, then we would be like laughing on our way to the bank right now because we'd be like, oh, we saved our asses by signing those contracts. Well, and you got to wonder, so I did find something here. I, I, this shows you how much my hockey brain's in this uh, this time of year. Uh, but Bruce McCurdy in the Edmonton Journal basically broke it down. It looks like it's $775,000 cap hit for this year. Uh, the entire bonus of three and basically a quarter is basically earned by playing 10 games this season. And that comes due next year. So it's deferred money, essentially. So the whole point of this contract was just having the ability to defer to next year. Yeah, and, and looking at the Oilers structure, I mean, you've got Warren Fogel coming off the books. Depending on what they decide to do with Matthias Janmark, that could free up some money to basically pay off that entire bill. But, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. What's what's your over th- overall thoughts, though, on Connor Brown, the player, coming to Edmonton? Because I know I feel like there's a little bit I think he's a little overhyped for what he's bringing to the team. Uh, I want, I'm curious about your thoughts immediately. Well, I think first people need to temper their expectations on what he can bring and rather be pleasantly surprised if he does more than we anticipate. So like, I think high, high, high end would be like 30 and 30 for 60 points. And that would be like blowing my expectations out of the water. Um, yeah, I think if he's playing consistently in the top six, he should be able to get 20 goals and I would be happy with 20 goals and say 45 points. Yeah, um, I'd be very happy with that. And then anything less than that would start reaching into the disappointment category. So 45 points doesn't even get him to the top of his career, like his his season high. Like that or that would be a record for him. Well, exactly. So, and like playing with these players, I think that's true. He should be able to have a career year. And that's why I'd be happy with those stats. And if he's like regressing from like the top of his career points, like then that's kind of a problem. And you got to keep in mind too, like looking at his points right now, the 43 points, which is the most in his career was in 71 games. And he has played 71, 56 and 64 games over the past or 68 games in the past three years. So yeah. there's room to like grow up into those points. I would say he probably on average averages about 50 points if you were to play a full 82. Yeah, I I, I can see the trend earlier on in his year uh, or in his career, sorry. And I know one thing that a lot of people have been uh, talking about is his uh, experience playing with McDavid, especially in junior. But uh, I I'm a little nervous. Uh, I mean, it's it's not a big impact to the season this year. It's kind of a, a win-win scenario in terms of the the salary cap and allowing us to do what we need to do with some of the the RFAs and the holes that the Oilers have. But um, it, it's kind of a, a show me season for him. Um, yeah, I I don't know. It'll if he can stay healthy and he can reignite whatever he had with McDavid in in uh, Erie. Uh, it'd be exciting to see. Well, I feel at the end of the day he probably will be better 
than either of Yamamoto or Pugliarvi. So Ooh. like it's it's an upgrade on at least one of the two of them. So that's probably the best way to look at it. And he kills penalties. They did too, but he has a bit more experience with it, having been in the league longer. So I think it's a net positive regardless with Connor Brown. Yeah. So I don't see any downside to this, like in terms of the top six. The only downside would maybe be we just have less depth on the right side now because we had to essentially give up two players for this one. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this lineup looks. I mean, you're trying to squeak a couple other pieces from the farm up that are starting to push. Who knows? Uh, but uh, again, obviously, the positive uh, hope for Connor Brown to come in and make a, a huge impact to the lineup. Uh, the only other of note or noteworthy, not even that it's that much of a noteworthy uh, signing, Drake Kajula coming back to the Edmonton Oilers. That's more of a minor league thing, a two-way contract at uh, seven and three quarters. Um, I, I said seven and three quarters, but it's literally just basically three quarters of a million. My uh, staring at numbers all day, man, just kills me. Oh, don't even get me started on that. <laughs> yeah, at the end of the day, like everybody knows Drake Kajula, they're familiar with him. He's a little tenacious bastard, but uh, I don't expect him to be playing too much outside of filling in for injuries. And yeah. ultimately, like, I don't know, it's. He's friends with McDavid, so maybe it makes McDavid happier. Who knows? Is I don't he, know if he had any say on that, but is he just the swap essentially for Tyler Benson? I would say realistically, that's kind of what it is. Like they just need some guys who can play down there and also have some NHL experience and can be called up, which kind of segues into them also signing uh Lane Peterson, who has some mid NHL experience playing like 70 games so far in his career across Columbus and Vancouver. Um, so they're just guys who might be able to step in and fill in some space. Yeah, absolutely. And you kind of hope that you get those fringe, um, bottom six, and then you get pushed from your, uh, your farm team. Like that's always the best is having that healthy competition. When you have guys pushing, it's, it's definitely, uh, uh, a healthy thing to have on a, a competitive team. So, um, there's that the Oilers also signing Ben Gleason to a two year, uh, contract as well. A lot of like these minor uh, signings. Olivier Rodrigue extending one year two way, and then uh, Noel Hoffenmeyer being signed to a one year ent- entry level contract. I heard have heard some rumblings around uh, um, around Noel about being a, a fairly decent prospect to look out for. Well, that's good to know. At least it'd be nice to see Edmonton get one of these young players to sign with them who can step in. Because I know we lost John Marino, and that was pretty hard considering he's kind of became a mainstay on the team's defensive cores that he's played for. So yeah. it'd be nice to see these young guys come in and sign with Edmonton and maybe be able to be at least somewhat productive. Yeah, and I mean, at the same time, it's also nice to get that, like, it felt like the back end of uh, Bakersfield was a little bit depleted after um, all the, the transactions last year. So nice to get another big... Uh, uh, defensive prospect back on the back end there. For sure. All right. We got to talk about the, uh, <laughs> the old departed. Uh, I, what I thought heading into uh, free agency was maybe some, some, some juggling from uh, Ken Holland with respect to what was going on. But uh, looking at Kyler Yamamoto in particular, he does go home. He signs with the Seattle Kraken 
uh, for one and a half million dollars. I'm just happy for the guy to get to go play in his uh, his hometown. Yeah, it's exciting for Yamamoto, and I think they do have a lot of wingers in Seattle. So I don't even know really how he fits into their lineup. I've seen some projections that he's projected to be maybe on their fourth line, if not their 13th forward. Uh, So like, I don't know if that's necessarily a signing in terms of opportunity as much as it's a signing just to be closer to home kind of thing. Yeah, it's a good question because I'm going to transition that into uh, Clem Costin, who signs with Detroit for two years at two mil, essentially a, well, it's a higher paying contract with more term, were you, are you kind of shocked comparing the two players? I know they're not the same kind of um, the player type that you're going to compare apples to apples with, but it is interesting to see Clem Costin get you know a two-year extension in Detroit. Well, considering he's making more than Yamamoto, that's kind of surprising. Not like crazy crazy, but um, considering he doesn't have a huge amount of pedigree in terms of NHL production, the more interesting part to me is the two years. But yeah. two years is probably was a requirement out of Detroit to keep him from going to the KHL, I would think. Mm, so yeah, now having he has commitment. locked in commitment. Yeah, the money. And there's no reason for him to leave now for two years because he has guaranteed $4 million, essentially. So why would he? Man, Detroit's going to be a good team this next year. I like they're building around something in, in Detroit. I think Detroit will be okay. I I'm not super sold on their decor yet. Yeah, I I just I thought they made a lot of uh, decent moves over this uh, this um, off season. So I think it's gonna it's gonna be another dogfight, especially in the East with uh, all the up and coming teams. Like, uh, is this the year that Ottawa emerges as one of the uh, the better teams? It's just weird how you see some teams that will. They'll make a trade, um, which I think is a good segue into uh, Debrinkat getting uh, sent to Detroit. Um, again, two teams that I wanted to to focus on there. Like Ottawa, I thought was ready to take that next step. Obviously, Debrinkat doesn't seem like he fits into that role, but he heads home to uh, to play in Michigan. Like, what's Ottawa doing there? Like, well, with Ottawa, they have a slew of players, like wingers and stuff in their lineup. So it's not that DeBrinkhead didn't fit per se. It's more so just an opportunity thing and the fact that he wasn't really working out for them. Um, and he wanted to get traded. So I don't know. It kind of it's a little awkward in terms of the way Ottawa didn't get a huge return for him, which makes it a little bit more hard to swallow. But he had all of the... What's the word I'm looking for? The leverage in that deal, because he essentially was like, I will go to Detroit or I will stay. And <laughs> yeah, they Ottawa has a lot of options on in their top six still. Like they're kind of similar to Edmonton now where they have yeah. five players that easily slot into their top six and then they'll have another player who's kind of like their plug in guy. So <laughs> that is kind of like a free spot for whoever decides they want to step up and take it. Yeah. I was just taking a look there, like Kachuk, Stutzel, Giroux, Batherson, Norris, Kubelik, like it's all up for up for grabs in Ottawa. Yeah, and the big thing with Ottawa last year and why I don't think they were able to make that jump is that they just got riddled with injuries. They had no goalies pretty much all year because everybody was either injured or just struggling in general. Talbot wasn't fantastic. 
Uh, Anton Forsberg was hurt the whole year, so they were playing like Matt Sogard a little bit during the year, and like it just wasn't a great situation. So they shored that up, though, which we can now transition into some of the other free agent signings that happened with uh, Jonas Corposalo getting him from LA. So LA now has no goalie. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that in a minute, but um, I I thought that was a solid move for Ottawa. Uh, Corpusello kind of had his coming out party towards the end of the year this year. Um, they 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 finally have a guy to build around with this this young up and coming core. Uh, but it'll be uh, be interesting to see if this is kind of a, a one off things. Corpusello we've seen can light things up and go on streaks that are a little uh, uh, almost inhuman at points. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if if he shakes out there. You know, I'm I believe actually that they LA signed Cam Talbot. So there was just a swap of goalies. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I, if that was a trade, I would say LA probably lost that one a little bit, but maybe, maybe they make it up on some cap room. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how that works out. I think that would be a downgrade for sure by LA just because yeah. now they have Copley and Talbot. And I just don't think that's exactly a championship pedigree goalie tandem. Not necessarily that Edmonton has one either with Campbell and Skinner, but I still think Campbell and Skinner is better than that combination. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna preface that by saying or follow that up by saying how nervous I am because I'm rewatching the last dance and they keep uh, showing how like when the Bulls lost two years in a row to the Pistons about how much it pissed their team off that they came back and just steamrolled them the next year. So. I'm going to knock on wood on the L.A. situation. Hopefully everything does, you know, just go down the sewer. We don't have to worry about L.A. at all next year. But uh, I just, as soon as I was rewatching it and I saw that piece, I was like, oh, fuck, that's the L.A. Kings in the NHL. I certainly hope not. I don't think it, I, I think it's pretty hard to compare the Chicago Bulls to the L.A. Kings at this point. Maybe yeah. if McDavid played for <laughs> the L.A. True. Kings, you could say that, but I don't know about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, other big signings, uh, Nashville kind of, this was interesting because they pick up Ryan O'Reilly, uh, four years at four and a half mil and then see Matt Duchesne leave, uh, Duchesne obviously going to Dallas for, uh, 3 million on a, a one year contract. I think it was just time for Duchesne to move on. Hey, yeah, it was, it's not necessarily that he wasn't working out in Nashville with a lot of these players that are moving on. It's not that they weren't working out. It's just I don't think they could live up to their contracts. So like mm. Duchesne, for example, getting paid eight mil, like he for one year maybe he earned that money during that contract, and then during the rest of it he was just overpaid. Yeah. What are your but, thoughts on the uh, Ryan O'Reilly deal? I was actually shocked to see him go to Nashville of all places. Well, I was shocked to see it, especially because I actually just read a comment from him either today or yesterday that said that he he along with the other players there believe that they can contend for a Stanley Cup and I don't know if I agree with that based off of the way their roster is structured right now. They have like a great goalie. They have some great defensemen. They lack any forwards of like substance for the most part. So I don't know about that. It might be like if they do, it'd be like a miracle run of defensive prowess that gets them there. But Nashville needed a center and Ryan O'Reilly can fill that role. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, top line center. Is he past that kind of point? I mean, you look Probably. down the middle, you've got Thomas Novak, Cody Glass, Colton Sissons. Like, it's it's pretty thin up front there for, for Nashville. But 
we'll see. Maybe they've got a different belief in the room. <laughs> Moving on down to the other signings. Uh, I want to touch on Carolina because they had the, uh, the priciest signing of the day in terms of uh, AAV with Dimitri Orlov at two uh, years for seven and three quarter million. I think that's, that's, that's quite a price. Uh, and then also signing Michael Bunting uh, three years at four and a half. Uh, I honestly not a fan of either of those signings. Well, I, I don't mind the bunting one. Like it's not terrible, um, but I'm not a fan of the Orlov one. Cause I just think that's too much money and they can't really afford it. Like, honestly, well, you keep hearing about Brett Pesci. Is he moving out? Like what's going on there? Well, I'm, I feel with all the rumors you're hearing that he almost has to be on his way out. If only for the fact that apparently Carolina wants Eric Carlson. Yes. It's like, what the fuck are you going to do? Like, it's great to have a wish list. Oh, I just don't understand how they're going to make that work. Like with Orlov and Burns and Pesci and Shea and Slavin, like it just doesn't add up how they could possibly fit those guys all in there. <laughs> so if they were to bring him in, I almost guarantee that Pesci will be gone. If not, somehow they send Burns back to San Jose again, um, going the other way, because that w- would be another thing that makes no sense about that is Brett Burns and Eric Carlson don't mesh well together. Yeah, yeah, we've seen that. Eh? <laughs> yeah, it's 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 interesting. I'm not a big fan of Michael Bunting as the player um, <laughs> for a couple different reasons. I think he he had his coming out party of why uh, he's got haters, especially this this postseason with the Leafs. Um, but uh, I mean, the Orlov thing might work out. I just thought for a team that's strapped for cash, it was an interesting signing. Um, and then finally, the other one just wanted to touch on was the Alex Kalorn signing to Anaheim for uh, four by six and a quarter. Uh, that one was a little bit, it's a little bit surprising to see Anaheim back in the mix there. I thought that was a typo. Like when I read that the first time, yeah. I was like, was it six years at four point two five million? Like, like how, why the fuck are you paying him six point two five million? I guess championship pedigree, but. <laughs> why the fuck would you pay that much money that makes zero sense the only reason i could see maybe that could work is that this contract will end by the time anaheim is actually competitive and they have big contracts for guys like zegris and drysdale and um mctavish and everything like that and leo carlson now coming in but those guys are all up for contracts before this contract is over so it doesn't make any sense to me <laughs> Well, and they still got Ryan Strom on the books for another four fucking years at $5 million. Yeah, like, at the end of the day, this move just feels like a huge question mark. Like, I don't understand. I could understand why they would want to sign Alex Killorn, but I don't understand the length and the money combined. Like, I could see one or the other if it was like two years at 6.25, sure. Because he'll be up when all these contracts are ready to be signed. Or if it's like four years at a lesser amount, sure, that makes sense because it's not too much money. But together, it like it hurts my brain. Well, so just for an idea, um, you, you've got four guys on the Anaheim Ducks just in their forward group. Uh, well, let's throw Cam Fowler in there as well. You're, you're looking at about $30 million tied up in five guys over the age of 31. Like it's a little aggressive, but I yeah. guess Adam Henrique's up in this year. Jacob Silverberg's up this year. Frank Vitrano and Brock McGinn will be off the books in two years. 
So it's not crazy, but like Troy Terry is an RFA right now. Trevor Zegers, yeah. RFA right now. Yeah. Uh, Mason McTavish, RFA in two years. Like, how are they going to afford these guys? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Fuck, it's not my money, I guess. That's a, a way to look at it, I guess. And I guess maybe John Gibson wants out too. So maybe that'll yeah. free up some money because they'll have no fucking goalie. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, just to kind of wrap things up, uh, one thing we kind of touched up but never really got to Tyler Benson signing a minor league deal with uh, the Henderson Silver Knights. Uh, I didn't even I'd, see that signing. Good for him. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Uh, I think he needed to take his talents elsewhere. It was just, he could never crack it here. And it was a promising year to um, his year last year, just at the start and the injury. And it just never came to fruition, man. I will always be a Tyler Benson believer. I think he can be effective in somebody's bottom six. And I want to see him get an actual full season chance playing for somebody. If only yeah. he can stay healthy. That's the most important part. Yeah. When when he plays well, he's he's a pest out there. Uh, I think that takes care of most of the big uh, signings and everything going on across the league. Now we're kind of getting into the the RFA discussion and trying to figure out what the final pieces are. Of course, the Edmonton Oilers sitting with five point six million dollars in cap room. They've got two giant elephants in the living room. One being Evan Bouchard, and the other being Ryan McLeod. What are we gonna do here? Well, let's start with Ryan McLeod. Because okay. he will probably sign before Bouchard does, only because he has a set arbitration date on August 4th. Yeah. So that will be telling to see if we can sign him before then. And I have a feeling we will be able to. I don't imagine this would be the case that would go to actual arbitration. Like, you only file for it probably more so as a, like a piece of leverage that you have in your back pocket. But... Like, first, I'm going to ask you, what do you think his next contract will look like? Like, what is your expectation? I have to pull up the Edmonton Oilers, like, structure and see what's going on here in terms of their their cap situation. Because I, in my head, immediately, I want to think bridge deal, meaning probably a, a two-year two -year look at them. I feel like this screams bridge deal. I do agree with you. I yeah, I definitely don't want to lock him in. I don't know if it'd be enticing enough for McLeod um, to sit in. Like, I'm working backwards the other way from you. I understand that there's a date thing here. I think it's going to take at least three seven five to get Bouchard to sign, and it's going to be another bridge deal. And so I think whatever's left over of that, you have to see if it works with with McLeod because the way I'm looking at this, these two players is like. The Oilers have to, they have to prioritize Evan Bouchard over Ryan McLeod. I would agree that they have to, but uh, there's more of a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? An actual ticking time bomb. In yeah, that's McLeod. So they don't really have a choice with him. Yeah, I think yeah. they would like to figure a contract out that's reasonable now rather than potentially get strapped with a shitty contract through arbitration and then just not have any money to deal with Bouchard. Yeah. Yeah, it, you don't want to get handcuffed, right? So I, I'm wondering if there's a, a number that Ken Holland has in his head and he's like, okay, look, this is what we're going to sit at and if we can't come to a deal here or um, it's anything over that, we just have to kind of walk away from it. I I don't know. I, I would hope that's the kind of plan that he's going in. So 
back to your initial question, I would have to say one year, two year, whatever. Obviously, two year would be preferable. Um, probably at one nine total, or like per year, max. You know what? I do agree with you. With like, let's quickly just look at a couple of comparable contracts. I have a list of them here that I nice. looked up. Um, so you can look at Blake Lazotte out of LA. Mm-hmm. So he signed back in 2022. He signed a two-year contract at 1.675, having um, similar points to McLeod in about 20 more games played. Mm. So McLeod would probably come in a bit above Lazotte. And then right. you can look at somebody like Cody Glass. He just signed a two-year contract on July 1st, uh, 2.5 mil AAV. And he has about, like, probably average of about 10 points, if maybe 12 points more than McLeod does over his career in similar games played. Yeah. So, like, those would probably be the two, like, ends of the spectrum that he would fall between. So I could easily see him falling anywhere between like the 1.8 to 2.2. And based off Edmonton's cap position, I would expect to be in the bottom half of that. So somewhere between the 1.8 and the 2. So that's pretty much like you were saying with the 1.9. I think if it favors Edmonton, it will probably be 1.8. And if it favors McLeod, it'll be 2. And more likely, it falls somewhere near the middle, whether that be... uh, 0.85 uh, 0.1 or 0.9 or 0.95 yeah yeah it's that was kind of what i was thinking too like two would be the absolute maximum i could see it going um because i mean the other options you got to take a look at what happens if ryan mcleod brings quite a bit to this team in terms of versatility uh you lose that on the team there is kind of scrap parts out on the uh the free agency market right now i mean unless you want to I know a lot of, a lot of talk around Jonathan Taves. I, I think the most realistic thing is Taves is going to retire. There's been tons of rumors about it. Um, I saw one rumor that um, he wasn't listed on the available free agents thing by I think it's his agency. Oh, there like, you they go. They don't even have him listed as an available free agent. Yeah, like if if I'm a guy that's won how many Stanley Cups, Taves has won. Like, is it three? Like. Why, why do I need to come to Edmonton to play one more year to help them win a cup? I mean, these guys, I don't know. Like, they don't give a shit how many cups they've won. They want to win every year. Yeah. And I think if Taves is healthy, he wants to play, but I think that is still a huge question mark of whether or not he's all there and ready to go for another season. So maybe he's just going to sit it out until the end of the summer and then really make that decision whether he A, retires, takes a year off, or whether he's willing to sign league men somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's that's the thing with Edmonton right now is like, even if they wanted Taves, I don't know if they could afford him, McLeod, and Bouchard all under the cap space that they have. No way. Bouchard's willing to take a big hit on like a one-year contract. But Even um, if he does, like, where do you fit everybody into the lineup? I, I'm well, sure you make room for a Jonathan Taves to play, but like, I think it just holds up your your roster a little bit i i just i literally don't know where you put jonathan taves well the he would probably fall around the fourth line center role if not third line center with mcleod playing wing or something like that because there has been some talk that edmonton's interested in something like that and then moving Derek ryan to the wing on the fourth line versus having him play center yeah 
So it could be a situation like that, especially because then it gives them a left-handed center in their bottom six, because right now they have Derek Ryan and Ryan McLeod, who are both righties. Wait, no, McLeod's a lefty. What am I saying? My brain is not working. (laughs) But that's enough about Ryan McLeod. Let's quickly move into Bouchard, because we have to kind of get an idea of what he's probably going to sign for, too. Um, Comparable contracts are... Luckily, there are two because they just recently got signed with Bowen Byram signing a two-year deal at 3.85 mil and Ke'Andre Miller signing a two-year deal at 3.872 million. So I think those are both extremely comparable deals. They're very good players. Same with Bouchard. Um, If he were to sign a bridge deal, that would be about the range I could see it. And maybe he takes a bit of a cut because Edmonton just can't afford it. I'm not entirely sure. The only issue with that is I am worried about the performance that Evan Bouchard had in the playoffs being the sticking point to anything ever getting done because he led the entire NHL, um, the defenseman in points, and I think he led the playoffs at one point two or at one point two just in, as himself. Like I, I'm just worried that it's going to be a sticking point for landing at a, a deal, and if it's over that three point eight, like you'd mentioned. Uh, well, it's 3.9 essentially for either of those players. That leaves you less than 1.8, 1.7 for McLeod. So, well, yeah, like, and you could look, I do agree with you that a playoff performance can really push your value. You look at the dry saddle signing when he signed, he had mm. a great performance of the playoffs against uh, Anaheim and he got rewarded for it. Peter Shirelli gave him the checkbook at the time and it, it worked <laughs> out because now he's super underpaid, but at the time he was super overpaid. So, yeah. like, I can't really see it being anything more, and Bouchard has to be able to see it the same way, especially because he doesn't have arbitration rights. If he had arbitration rights, we might be giga-fucked, but I think because he doesn't right now, we're okay for this year at least. Yeah. Uh, uh, just just get me through the year. Get both of these guys on the roster and just get me through the year here. <laughs> I just- well, I'd, I'd really Somehow. like to just get these two contracts signed just so we have a better look at what the actual roster is going to look like. Yeah, because I mean, I I truly don't know, Sean, looking at this lineup, comparing it to last year, if it makes that much of a difference. The only big, like assuming those two players sign, the only big difference um, that I think we look better on paper for is A, Matthias Ekholm by far and B yeah and B knowing what Stuart Skinner brings to the table and then just putting all of your fucking pennies into the wishing well for Jack Campbell like I don't think that's a bad way to look at it per se but like you have to also compare it's Yamamoto Pugliarvi Costin out and you bring Brown a full season, hopefully, of Holloway, another year older. Um, maybe one of the other younger guys comes and steps up. Like, that's the only real differences. Otherwise, our decor currently, at least, is the same as the second half of the year. Yeah. Um, well, and looking at it, compared to on paper, if you were to tell me last year and showed me this exact same lineup, um, I would think that the forwards look weaker than they did last year, but we also got a much weaker performance than what we expected out of Yamamoto and Pugliarvi. So who knows? Maybe it like, who knows who steps up? I really hope it's Holloway. I'm also a Holloway. Oh God. Player. Yes. Yes. It's a like, 
he's literally got the opportunity wide open in the bottom six to just run with it. Yeah, he has the opportunity of a lifetime, especially if he can find a way to play on that right wing to pr- pretty much like make a career next to one of Drysaddle and McDavid. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, I would not be shocked too, like if things don't go as as planned, like we've even seen with Hyman being shuffled, but if they don't go to plan with Connor Brown moving up and down the lineup, like there's definitely room to flip Holloway in here and there, like either with Drysaddle, McDavid, whatever uh, you see fit, but yeah. Options, man. Options. Uh, that being said, uh, that pretty much takes care of the the Edmonton Oilers stuff. Uh, <laughs> there's some some fun stuff floating around social media lately. Uh, Evander Kane got caught playing in an Edmonton beer league hockey game. I I didn't see this, but you said there he's playing underneath the an alias. Yeah, so he's playing underneath the alias Fa Afo. So first name Fa, last name Afo. And do you know what that is an acronym for? I have no goddamn idea. It is fuck around and find out. That's pretty. Yep. That's that's pretty legit. That's sweet. <laughs> I just like how he's embraced that. Yeah. I well even just the city and just like being like getting a second chance um in the the NHL really like he's he's been fantastic since he's been here. You see like all the stuff he does around the community too and um he has no problem having a blast. I I had TikTok open, flipping around. And you see a barber that lets him do uh, uh, videos when he's cutting his hair and shit. Like, buddy's just having a time. You gotta look at Edmonton and the Oilers as the city of second chances. Look at Zach Cassian. Look at hey. Andrew Kane. Yeah. Like, if people want to come here and they want to change their lives, they can do it. I mean, we gave Jake Vertanen a second chance, but that's true. He just <laughs> didn't exactly run with that one uh too soon um <laughs> speaking of of chances i i don't know how in depth i want to get to this but what in the fuck is going on with alex galchenyuk like that is a, a, a man throwing his life and career away in he, one bad night you know they always told you and i it's tough because I, I never like to buy into the idea when a player gets flipped so many times at the beginning of their career. I feel like we just said this like last week we were talking about someone um, out doing Steve Sullivan. I- anyway, the point being that like Galchenyuk's played for eight different teams and he's what, 28. And now this stuff that's going on, it's, not to get into detail of anything, because I'm sure there's still, well, police wouldn't even tell you what's going on. But uh, after getting signed by Arizona, getting released uh, a couple days later, just I, I hope the guy gets some help. Because from everything that I read, it doesn't sound like someone's, you know, doing great for themselves. Yeah, something weird's going on there, whether I don't know the details exactly. And I don't want to get into it until the final decisions and everything are made. But I don't yeah. Know, like, if anybody doesn't know, yeah, he signed a contract with Arizona, and his he got terminated off that contract because he was arrested last week for some uh, questionable behavior, <laughs> and the details are slowly coming out. I believe some very detailed uh, allegations were put out just like minutes ago, and I don't really want to get into those though until there's actual confirmation that they are in fact true. Nah, let's uh, let's switch it over to the Tyson Berry wedding shenanigans. Not sure how much you saw that stuff going around. Hey, uh, I really just started with like the big party bus photo that Mike Smith was taking. Okay, yeah, I 
it, it seemed like the pictures were flowing through like throughout the night, um, especially wherever they they landed at a bar in Victoria. Um, and uh, just seeing some of the photos of them leaving at the end of the night, Mike shirt or Mike Smith leaving the, the night without a shirt on is just classic. Exactly what you'd expect from Mike Smith. Like I, he's one of those guys who's who like might in the back of his head be like, do I fuck around and play one more year? I wouldn't be surprised if he like talked to somebody who's like, I'll sign Lee Min to be your backup. I could do it. Yeah. I could, I, I'll play one more game. I'll you play be your Jonathan more. quick and be your fifth string goalie. <laughs> yeah it looked like a lot of fun like that limo was carrying probably close to uh, half to three quarters of a billion dollars worth of full contracts in the nhl you had nate mckinnon oh. Sidney crosby's connor mcdavid like fuck it was insane. i would not want to be that bus driver i know man could you yeah, imagine never the, the wheel so tight in my life Ugh, crazy crazy um that being said uh yeah it's it's so fun to see players like all getting together you you forget that they're just normal people <laughs> just kidding well kind of, uh, you kind of do forget that they just go out and do normal people shit sometimes it's just the fact that someone's taking pictures of them that's what makes them different from anybody else exactly but, like i'm pretty uh, sure i've been in a couple photos like that in the back of a bachelor party bus but nobody shares those all <laughs> over social media and they're like check this out uh that's yeah me too me too um shifting gears here unfortunate news kind of breaking yesterday with uh, the stelter family this family needs a desperate break uh mike stelter sharing that he uh he found some back pains and and underwent an mri doctors finding a tumor on his spine and having to go uh, undergo treatment in the united states uh Obviously, wishing him all the best and and all the positive thoughts to him and his family. They they could not deserve more of a break. Um, yeah, just shitty shitty news to hear. Yeah, there's not much you can really say except for how terrible it is, and hope the best for them and that they're able to get through it. Really. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 just amazing how one family has an entire city behind them. So. Uh, I'm sure they don't or they won't forget that. Um, that being said, uh, just some housekeeping stuff here. We're going to take a couple weeks off. I guess maybe a little bit more than a couple weeks off. It's still only July, but unless there's uh, some some news with any of the RFA contracts, we'll probably uh, have a break till what? Probably uh, rookie or maybe rookie camp. Maybe. Uh, yeah, I would imagine sometime preseason. in September. Maybe we'll have a pop in for a shorter episode during the summer once the McLeod and Bouchard stuff's figured out. Or if yeah. uh, Edmonton makes a trade for somebody or something like that. If there's something that just shakes the hockey world that we just need to talk about, then uh, otherwise we'll be taking the summer to relax and rec- recuperate. Recuperate, but also we're gonna reinvent some things here so uh just before we do um take a pause we we've created a new uh account out on th- uh, threads we'll see if that doesn't get sued and sent to the ground by the time we we join back with you um and uh we're gonna be looking at uh potentially incorporating some new things for next year uh that being said what would you guys like to see what would you like to hear um i say see very much emphatically uh so we're gonna we're gonna take away some things we're gonna try out some new stuff and uh looking forward to another year 
and just everything else it brings. Mm -hmm.